to part two of our Imperius Dominatus special here on the Life of Die podcast. I'm Gordon, your regular host, and once again I'm joined by ID system creators and designers Peter Ramos and David McDonald. If you haven't heard part one already, you'll be able to find it on the same platform you're currently hearing this, so please check that out first. But for everyone else, we're heading straight back into the conversation. As part as uh, things that don't necessarily distinguish because there are other epic rules that have touched upon the other scenarios. Now, one thing I learned from playing Epic, especially the older versions one, it does get a little bit repetitive because everybody just sets up on the side of the table, puts whatever amount of objectives they're going to use and have at it. I think that's one of the things the later editions of the game had in their favor because it gives variety. Nobody wants to play the same thing over and over again because it gets kind of stale. So the scenarios were very important. And these scenarios we took for ID are actually 40K scenarios. I mean, we didn't come up with anything original here. We just looked at 40K and said, oh, look, uh, these scenarios look pretty cool. So let's port them over and make them suitable for epic play. But they're there for two reasons. One, the older systems tend to be a little bit too open-ended. Sure, you play to a certain amount of victory points, but we found that the amount of time the games took were kind of too uniform. And of course, the scenario was always the same, which was kind of, you know, after a while, it gets a little bit boring. So we gave uh, six scenarios, seven if you count the siege one, which is a specialized scenario. But we also gave them a turn limit. And it's not that the game ends at that point. There's a possibility that it can continue, much like it works in 40K. You roll a dice, and, and if it's uh, equal or, or less than, than the turns that you've played, it stops. If it doesn't, it continues. But it gives that variability that players that, they, like, again, the word tension. If you don't know when the game's going to end, you can't kind of do that gamesmanship thing we all do when we know that the game's close to ending. We start doing weird and not tactical things because we're just going for the win, right? <laughs> yeah, yeah. I had a, a habit of um, when I knew the last turn was, it was you know, the next turn was going to be victory because we're getting close to the threshold. I'm sure Craig would attest to this. That he's seen me, suddenly my rhino was make a bolt into enemy territory. They've, they've dropped off their trips, they've been sitting doing nothing, and then suddenly the whole lot suddenly starts plowing across the battlefield and trying to steal objectives in their half. So that, that, that was something that happened a lot in their games. Yeah, you described it perfectly. Because everybody, if you know when the game's going to end, you start doing things that you would not do when this game hangs in the balance. So ID took care of that very easily. Now you do not know when the game's going to end. You got an idea. Maybe it'll end at turn six, but maybe not. And uh, But if it continues and you do those kind of things that you would normally do in other, other epic rule sets, you're taking a big gamble. Because if the game lasts longer than that, you've overextended itself. You found out uh, losing when it was looking pretty good for you. And also, we did the scenarios where we wanted both sides to have things to do. So it's not while objectives in the old game and most of the old games is the thing that people fought over. We said, ah, that's a little bit stale, too, because how many times can you fight over the same thing? So we introduced a lot of little secondary objectives. Well, yeah, that first objective is the thing we're going after, but we can also accomplish victory if we do a lot of these secondary ones. So that means that you could not preemptively gamesmanship your way out of saying, okay, well, since everybody's going for this thing, well, you know, there's not much else I have to worry about. No, now you got to worry about a whole host of things that can give your opponent the victory if you keep, if you ignore them. And I think, again, that adds tension. 
And we always want to add tension to the game because uncertainty in the game is a good thing because that means I do not know the outcome before the outcome is finalized, which is at the actual end of the game. There's also another way that has been modified slightly that you haven't seen yet, Peter, which I'm working on. For example, I'm working on the, um, the Dark Elder, called a different name, um, the Dukari. If they kill and wipe out an entire imagery unit, they get an extra victory point because they're slaves. So I'm adding that kind of detail to some armies. Right. That that would go into actually one of our next questions was the 40k aspect of it. Because the reason we did 30k is because I was this is how the idea started, right? I was interested in 30k. So we did that. And truth be told, I believe EA has a couple of supplements out there created by fans that do 30k, but there's not really an all-encompassing comprehensive 30k rule set. So we wanted to start with that because you know there is a certain degree of popularity with 30k. But of course, at the end of the day. Most fans of Epic play in the 40K uh, universe in times. So just to update people what's going on, and, and that's where I had a conversation with Gordon before we started. And this is where David gets to tell you, okay, David, what you've created, what's finalized to be formatted, and what's upcoming. So Gordon asked about 40K. That's the next part. We've done 30K, which is, it's done, right? Everything's done for 30K. All the armies, everything's done. It's just figuring out some minor details. 40K, the orcs are done. The elder are done. Um, I'm working on necrons. There's a couple of dark elder things to fix. So for Eldar, I did the craft worlds. I did the exodites. I did Drukari, the dark elder. I did harlequins. Orcs have, I don't know, about 70 different vehicles and units now compared to 25 in Epic. So everything the last 25 years they made for orcs is now incorporated into ID. It's just up to Peter to type it out. Yeah, that's what uh, David means by done. Yeah, the design part of it is done. Now, my, just in case people didn't know, the, the, David basically designs everything, right? He he did the paradigms to systematically port over everything. He lays out all the stats. He lays out all the units. And then my end of the deal is to get all that and format it and make sure that it's in keeping with all the rules and whatnot. So basically, I do the rule books, the army cards, the formatting and making sure everything is balanced and everything. So when he tells you something's done, it's designed. But now I have to get off my lazy butt and actually get it to you guys. <laughs> so if you have to blame somebody, blame me because I'm the one I'm the one who hasn't been sitting down getting those things ready for you to play with. Well, also, Peter made it hard for himself because he took on, took it upon himself to learn how to do the silhouettes on the cards. So that's probably half the job there. Yeah. So uh, we, I mean, we always like everybody's input and help, but we, we realize that, you know, this is this is a hobby-related thing and people have real-life concerns and responsibilities and all that. But at the end of the day, it's just, it's pretty much up on David and, and my shoulders. We each have our duties and responsibilities. He comes up with everything and and i can tell you point blank that that's not my forte never has I, i'm not very good at it and my forte is basically formatting and getting the uh graphical aspects done so like as you guys you mentioned i learned how to do silhouetting so i make the army cards tokens and everything else so the uh basically the, the thing you see might be made by me but everything that's in there as far as starts and everything was created by david so it's a it's a one two thing he has to do his part before I do my part. And I couldn't do Peter's part. I don't have the patience to do all that kind of stuff. And he's so good at it. 
Well, that's why we get along so well because he does the stuff I don't like, and I do the stuff he doesn't like. <laughs> yeah, your, your skill sets complement each other. Yes, yes, it does. But just to let people know, I mean, I've mentioned this on the Imperius Dominator's website. Been uh, uh, struggling a little bit with uh, asthma, but I'm feeling much better now. It's under control, so I look forward to getting back and doing this stuff. And as David knows, he needs to have a pretty long head start again uh, ahead of me in creating things because when I sit down and do stuff, it gets done. Yeah, you, you do it quick for sure. So I I would expect orcs and, and, and Eldar and stuff by the summer. So it's not as far away as you would think. It'll it'll get done pretty quick. The, the structure of 40K is going to be slightly different than 30K. 30K is a, basically a civil war. So everyone's got the same troops. Everyone's got the same units. The only way to make that slightly interesting is to have different uh, chapters have different traits that apply to their troops. Mm-hmm. So the White Scars are different than the Ultramarines, etc. And all those traits have a points value associated to them. So at that time, 40, 30K stuff is all about 400 points worth of traits per army. And there's, there's a section in the rules that determines how that works when you have allies and everything. That's called the army value. In 40K, I reduced that to about 200 points. So they're not going to be quite as detailed as 30K because there's so many more armies and troop types and units available that's where the difference is going to be in the armies so orcs are going to be different than space marines and field guards so i figured that could reduce the traits a little bit and have because there's so many different clans of orcs there's so many different troops of uh, harlequins there's so many different craft worlds would make those generic points for that race eldar would have generic traits and then they would have specific traits for each craft world to make them slightly different yeah, because it's also important that they feel like it's 40k, right? 30k, it's its own thing, and 40k, it's its own thing. So that 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 just highlights a, a nice little difference between the two by doing the uh, traits that way. So another way we could use our D10 rolls, we can differentiate between range shooting and close combat. For example, the Tau shoot pretty well, but they don't fight close combat very well. Orcs tend to fight better in close combat, and they shoot poorly. Marines are good at everything. Eldar are really good at shooting and decent at close combat. So I can have a to hit role for ranged and have a to hit role for close combat for every single race and they can all be different it's such a small thing but it adds flavor to the game plus it's easier to remember one two that might not be one but you know it's two you don't have to look up anything and that's about every single unit ever made for 40k will be in id yes so the the question we get most asked is you know or what are we doing for 40k and the answer is the short answer is everything in time everything that is out there as uh, david said will be done it's just a matter of creating it and formatting it and getting it out to you so 40k will be made made available in its entirety as time goes by even stuff that isn't in 40k that's for example necrons with their megaliths and the abattoirs and things like that the planet killers and planet harvesters i'm making rules for those because those are actually written up in some places and then that would this is like very long term it's probably the last one we will do but squats will make a comeback in id but this that'll be a a, a much more novel approach because truth be told that that is not a supported race by games worship anymore mm-hmm. so perhaps it is time to get the community involved and to see what they should be as an army. Of course, you know, the legacy units will be there. That's that's always a, a thing that we do. But, you know, what else should be there for them? And that, that'll be a fun little discussion towards the end where... Well, don't worry about that, Peter. That's one of my biggest armies, so I got that. <laughs> so in summary, in time, we will get to 
all those things there. With it being based so much on 30k and 40k, I mean, one of the big problems Epic's faced over the years has, has been the fact that we're all of a certain age. <laughs> Let's just put it that way. We're all people who were into the game when it was actually launched and, and live and, and was happening. And I think most of us have all had kind of points where we've been really active with it and then we've kind of dropped out and came back in later on in life. And I, I was wondering, is that maybe part of the, the idea as well? Because obviously 40,000 is the big game for Games Workshop. The fact that people can, there's going to be that um, kind of straight porting, if you like. Not straight, but you know what I mean, what you were kind of describing there, David. That might attract a new audience into Epic. I was wondering if that was something that was on your minds at all. Absolutely. Yes, I believe that could happen. Um, well, with the new Adeptus Titanicus models coming out, people buy those. They like the Titans because they can afford to have a bunch of them now compared to one big war warlord that costs, what, 1,200 pounds or something. Hmm. And um, and with 3D printing, pe- there's so many people who don't have any old figures. They're making new ones for for Epic. And there's a few more suppliers now as well. Of course, there's a few other you know third parties that are. Oh yes, Vanguard and Onslaught and all these different companies and Microworld Games. Exactly. We heavily recommend people to use the proxies offered by either Vanguard Miniatures or Onslaught because they are pretty much the two six millimeter manufacturers that cater to our kind of gaming. So if you have not heard of them, I, I certainly would urge you to look on their offering sets. In the case of Vanguard Miniatures in particular, they have a whole line that is Im- immensely compatible with 30K. So there are options out there. So I would uh, definitely recommend people to look. And, and the answer to Gordon's question is yes, we always have the back on our mind. Yes, we know there's an existing epic community that plays and they are relatively easier to cater to since they already have the stuff they want and id will include a lot of the legacy stuff and it will be easy for them to kind of like reorder their models to play a game of the of it if they show shows but we thought it equally important to appeal to people who've never played epic before and the only way you're going to do that in modern times is that it looks like modern 40k and I think that's a very big hamstring that the older Epic systems have, because if you're new to 40K and you look at a chaos list and you ask where the obliterator's at, what am I going to tell you? Well, I'm going to tell you they're not there. Unless, of course, you go to ID when we do the chaos list, they will be there. So there, there is something to be said that a game should try to appeal to all generations of epic players and that's one thing that id tries to do we want you to use your models in whatever shape or form they are but we also want people that are new to find the game attractive and look like what's pulling them in right we can all remember what we found attractive about the 40k universe and that's why we still play with these things after so many years so i think that we should return the courtesy to newer people not necessarily familiar with epic that when they look at our rule site they said yeah i know i know what that is i saw that in a 40k book or a 40k magazine and oddly enough from the feedback we've been getting we have people who have never played epic that are joining our our groups and and getting really into the uh, the rules because they felt kind of uh left aside when they look at older rule sets because they can recognize some of the units but a lot of what they like from the modern 40K is not present. So ID is addressing a real need. And another thing is that since we've made a rule set that draws from all Epic rule sets and, and even rule sets that are not Epic, so because like I said at the beginning, we left our perspectives very open as far as mechanics. We've, we're getting add-ups and converts of all 
epic the previous epic versions and and funnily enough we're getting a lot of ea people into it as well which i i, th I thought was rather pleasing because in a lot of feedback we've gotten are from those kind of players so there's a real need for something different that kind of captures what the expectations are of a lot of people as far as what epic means and how it should play but it's also not going to be directed at just one generation we want it to appeal to everybody the new and the old and i think they all have a place in an id thinking of old the um every model they ever made for epic i made rules for nothing is uh, uh missing correct so all the old stuff all the new stuff everything i could find i put it in <laughs> yeah yeah, and so it's all there. Cards will be made for all of it. So whatever era you decide to game in, you know, the, those things were will be there. And then they'll be there in a meaningful fashion for you to create your armies and however you see fit. Well, there's another, one, one more little point I wanted to say. When we first started this, you, you were so used to writing rules for NetEpic. And when I came in, I didn't like a rule, I would scrap it. There's a lot of times that I scrapped something, gave you an alternative, and you said, wow, I, why didn't we never did that before? Do you remember that? That is correct. Yeah, many times. It's not just once. We got rid of, I don't know, how many pages of rules compared to other... Yes, every time we would... Con uh, our rule set is... I think that last count was 70 something pages. I mean, if you take account of what most rule books are, just the rules, I mean, it's pretty concise. And and that's and that's counting the graphics and all that kind of stuff. You know, the, the point was that, I mean, you have to think out of the box sometimes. Everybody wants to just kind of think of things in a certain way, but we wanted to make them approachable to anyone. And we use the mindset of someone that knows nothing of Epic, because it's really easy to assume and make rules for people who know about Epic, right? Because they can fill in the blanks because they have the experience of having played uh, diverse rule sets. But when we did things, we did it from the point of view, okay, I never played Epic before and I read and we had people read the rules with that mindset. In other words, people who are not within the uh, epic inner circle, so to speak, or the epic community, people who have a total, uh, many very interesting <laughs> changes were made by people who just looked at it from an outsider perspective. And I think that's really important because at the end of the day, if, I, if we wanted to make a rule set just for ourselves, we didn't have to make it public, right? You know, at the end of the day, you have to make a rule set where anyone can read. And for those who are, would be interested in looking them up and taking them out, I've always said that you can't have a net version of the rules without an internet website. And that was one of the pillars of NetEpic success. And I hope it to be one of the pillars of Imperial Dominatus success. So our website is very simple. It's the name of the game, imperiusdominatus.org. All the recent rule sets are there. It's all downloadable individually as, as well as one big file for those who like to do it that way. And all the updates and whatnot that uh, be uh, the official current rule set will be uploaded those. For those who want a more hands-on approach to what's being uh, spoken and, and wish to voice their feedback, we have a Facebook page, which is called Just Like the Game, Perius Dominatus, Warfare in the Age of Horus, and the Dark Imperium, which uh, anyone, if they choose to honor us, can join. We're already at 650 members. Not bad when we started with just 20. <laughs> So we are growing by leaps and bounds. We hope to hit a thousand at some point when we start pumping out the 40k list. So uh, as always, feedback's always welcome, and especially for Peter. Yes, you took the words right out of my mouth. Typos and details that 
seem off, please let us know because we're always trying to fix everything. And yeah, I mean, I we have a thread on the Facebook group for typos and new ideas and extra ideas and things to add. And every time I sit down, I make a an update. I just take all that that's there in consideration and put it in there. So the game is constantly evolving. So far, 30k, there's been very limited people asking for change. Only I think only three changes we made so far. So people seem satisfied. Yeah, a lot of more modifications. Yes. The feedback has been generally very positive, uh, very engaging. I thank everyone that has uh, done so, so far and encourage anyone else to do that. It's, it's, that's just part of uh, what I learned in that epic. Everybody has meaningful ideas. And even if in the end they may not uh, be modified in the same vein, you may have the kernel of an idea that with some modifications will make the rule set better. And at the end of the day, you know, if you guys are playing it or trying it out, uh, you know, you're the voices we want to hear. Because that's why we're making the game for people to have fun with. Yeah, and I'll, I'll drop the, the links on beneath the video where, or, or the podcast, wherever you're listening to it. We'll, we'll make sure those links are there for you that you can just click on them and, and jump to the sites and see what it's all about. Because, um, yeah, hopefully that'll be exciting for people to discover a new a new way to play Epic. That, and as you say, David, by covering all the units, no matter what armor you've got, there'll be something there for you that you can use. And there'll be no holes, there'll be no gaps. We realize that a lot of people wait for the 40K stuff. So I I, I promise I'll get off my butt <laughs> and start opening it off for you. Because I know that's uh, by far the most popular component to Epic. And uh, I think uh, Imperius Dominatus will grow exponentially once those 40K lists start coming out, especially the non-human ones. Well, you're going to be doing Orcs and Eldar first because you can actually use them in 30K as well. So it's not. That is correct. So the first two lists to be, well, the first list to be released will be the Orcs followed on its heels by the Eldar and then the others as they are created. They will be announced, of course, on the Facebook page as well as the website. And I also do some some uh, PR for that on the more uh, populous epic lists as well when, when things are released, just so people to have a knowledge of what's going on. The orcs should surprise a lot of people. I think the orcs are going to be much more fun than before. As an example, Vanguard made a, and Games Workshop made these super heavy bombers from Forge World. And I made a, it can carry paratroops. So you can launch a full company of orcs out of a heavy bomber and land them as paratroopers <laughs> in Epic, which has never been done before in any rule set. So yeah, it has, it has the balance of any uh id army list but we made sure that it had the flavor and the character that i know people like when they play because that's what you play 40k for you know you know you, you want you want orky stuff to behave orkily so they will behave orkily and, and and then some we hope people will enjoy it when once i get it out sounds great <laughs> so yeah i'm looking forward to uh getting to play it no i'm, I'm really waiting for peter to put the orcs out because i think the, the feedback is going to be People are going to go, wow, they're going to just be impressed by the crazy list. Yeah, it's very orky. Well, I suppose uh, one of the other final questions I was going to ask you there was, obviously we've been in to various degrees in different countries, obviously. I'm not sure how it, how strict it's been over in America, but over here in the UK, we've basically been in a virtual lockdown almost for a year, well, for over a year now. And I was wondering if you've heard any kind of people talking about planning a sport of games once, once it's over, once they can visit, meet up with people again, or... Well, I guess it varies much from region to region, right? Because different company, uh, different countries are going through different restrictions and different. Well, at least in the U.S., I know a lot of people uh, have still still have their games, but then they might be a little bit more close knit and had contact prior to the pandemic and whatnot. But yes, a lot of people are itching to get back out there and have games and whatnot. 
I guess, uh, well, even me personally, I haven't played a game with someone in a, quite a long time. And I was uh, uh, speaking with uh, Harvey Kitzman, which some of you may know from Facebook and Tadcoms. He lives in Texas, not too far away from me. So and I'm planning getting some games in in the summer, pandemia and, and time permitting. So, yeah, I think a lot of people are planning things when things return to normality. But, you know, it is what it is with the pandemic. We're just going to have to be patient. Yeah, at the same time, though, I think I think a lot of people have returned to Epic. Yeah, I mean, one of the things I've noticed in, across social media is there seems to be a lot of people who have suddenly started dusting off their armies because they've suddenly found they've got time now, and possibly because of the certain period there that their life, what I was saying earlier on about the age that we all are, that I suspect there's some people whose kids have now grown up and they now have more time, but because of the pandemic, they've been locked down, they've suddenly started painting stuff. So I'm hoping that at the end of this, that means that there's going to be a whole lot of people suddenly playing Epic again and whatever guys it is. But I'm hoping because you're the new guys in the block with the new system that you'll get a lot of that bonus or, or whatever you want to call it, that that, that new interest in, in Epic again. Nostalgic interest, yes. Yeah, I, I think once things return to normal as things often are, you know, you get that boom right after it where people start doing a lot of stuff that they were probably deprived of doing due to the uh, restrictive conditions. So I think there'll be a lot of gaming in everybody's future, mine included. But the people have just been stuck at home. So they've been going through all their storage lockers and boxes they had under the stairs and just bring out what they have. And they're rediscovering all this old Epic stuff and they had good memories about it. And they looking up, Oh, is it, who's playing this? How does it work? And, and in a certain sense, I think we're kind of living in almost in a renewed golden age for Epic. I mean, you got companies pumping out a lot of, Really good proxies. You got Kings Workshop taking out Titans and other Aeronautica and Periodics for you know planes that you can certainly use in your Epic game and the 3D files. I mean, I think finally we're kind of seeing the threshold of where this is becoming very widespread and very uh, uh, used by all. So yeah, Epic is kind of opening up itself now in a very open way that we haven't seen in a very long time. I don't think it's going to be the lockdown. It's going to go another year, probably. I think 2022 is a better bet than this year for a lot of gaming. I, I think. Well, historically, uh, the Spanish flu of 1908 lasted for three years, and there was only 1.8 billion people in the world, and they could only travel by train and boat or ship around. So now we got 8 billion people. It'll get better this year, but I don't, I don't think we'll be normal, normal to next year. So I think Dave is correct. Yeah, it's going to be probably a year and a half in my guess. But on the on the positive side, that'll give us time to get out all the 40k periods that went out of this. Exactly. Time to work on them. Oh yeah. So. If we can get one done a month, we can get done in a year. Yeah. Well, the, the good thing is now since we have all the templates and all that done, when an army list comes out, it comes out with everything, including army cards. So unlike before where we were doing things more staggered because we're still kind of feeling our way through things. And now when an army comes out, it's out. Well, we got slowed down a big time because we rewrote the points system too, and that slowed everything down. That was a lot of work to replace the values for everybody. Yeah, I mean, I think it's worth mentioning that it's an absolutely colossal amount of work that the two of you have been doing. I mean, when did you start the project? Well, uh, the official birthday for Imperius Dominatus is January 1st, 2018. So we are a little over three years right now. Well, even at that. It's colossal than what you've what you've achieved in that time. I mean, that's massive. When it's just the two of you, really. Yeah, we were really happy when we finally 
completed the uh, Warfare and Age of Horus components in previous Dominaz was the 30K rules and had the website. For me, the, the website was the watershed because, yeah, you can have uh, files on, on a Facebook group or a Dropbox or anything like that, but it's only real, really alive to people when they have a website they can go to at their leisure and download what they need and they know that things are changing and getting updated. Peter's awesome for getting stuff on like that done. That's just beyond word sometimes the way he pumps everything out and gets it all sorted. I got focus or what people call OCD. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I spend a lot of time in front of computer monitors sometimes. So when I come and sit and, and I enjoy it, that's, that's the kind of thing. It's not like a, it's a chore. I, I like making silhouettes and army cards and formatting, you know, because I was kind of weird and nerdish, but hey, to each their own. So this has been a growing experience for both of us too, because you know we're both pretty passionate about this, and we get at loggerheads sometimes. And says Peter won't back down, I won't back down, and then we yes. steamed at each other and come back. And say, sometimes it's like the water dripping on the stone. And then we come back and have to review <laughs> and say, "Well, I review it, or he reviews it, and then we we give each other." Yeah, a lot of times I'll just flat out say, "Nope, not gonna do that." And then like a week later, I'm like, "Yeah, yeah, yeah, let's do that." <laughs> But you know, it's it's a that is derived from each of our functions, right? This function is to make things, is to create things. My function is to make sure they work in the con in the confines and the strictures, and it doesn't violate the rules, or it's or it's contradictory, or it has unintended consequences. So our jobs are different. Therefore, the way we approach things is going to be different. Because David will just shoot stuff like a machine gun out, out of there, and I have to be the Kevlar vest. I'm used to that because when we play, when I did the Napoleonics rules, every week would have different changes to it, play test them. And Peter doesn't like to do that. He likes to have play testers tell us what we should do. But yes, I think it's important that people who are not the people who create the rules are the ones that ultimately can tell if they're working or not. Because uh, the people who make the rules will instinctively fill the holes when they find them subconsciously. And the people who did not won't do that. They will say, well, this doesn't make sense because there's something missing here, which there have been on occasion. And I think that makes the rules set better. Well, it's not perfect. We're not perfect. The game, the rules pretty good, but there's going to be um, things we could do better. Always. Oh, yeah. And I like when people point out things because, you know, it means A, they're engaged and B, they're reading the rules. And that's kind of like the point of the whole exercise. When you're engaged enough to read something to critically say, well, this needs a little bit here more. And like I said, a lot of the time, I know how the game works. David knows how the game works because he made it. But that's not the point. The point is whoever reads the rule, will they understand how the game works? And that, will, and that in the end, that's all that matters. We spend months just hammering out well, how should cover work or how did this work like at least a week debate on some things on basic rule systems and how they would work in relation to everything else so yep so yeah it's all, it's all a massive cross-reference at this yeah. point because now that we have something that's actually made now anything you introduce has to be weighed and and, and measured against everything that exists so that it'll work synchronously with it and not be a something like an outlier so in a certain sense when you're making it from scratch it's kind of easier because nothing's set in stone. But once you have some working format and you introduce something, you have to now kind of look at the whole and, and make sure you're not either breaking it or introducing an element that's not faithful for what the rest of the structure is representing. But it's great that you're willing to allow the community to give you that feedback and that you're open to the possibility that you might have to tweak things because that's, oh. you know, obviously when it was at, when it's published by 
Games Workshop or whoever, whatever games company it would be, then it's, you know, it's locked in. It's, it's, there's nothing you can do about it, but because it's an online thing and you're willing to change, if, if you feel something really needs it, I suppose. I'm not saying you would change everything that everybody suggests by any stretch of the imagination, but... You, you just described tangentially what's the difference between doing something because you want to do it and doing something because you want money from it, right? Because we, everything I've done epic-wise has been in that vein. I just do it because I like to, and I give it to people to free because I want to. And uh, I'm always willing to change it because, you know, why not? If it makes it better, why not? But when you do a commercial project, it's a totally different thing because, you know, the goal is not doing what you want. It's, you know, to get people to buy whatever product you're doing. And it seems like a very trivial distinction but you know there's profound philosophical things that go along with it you know I, david and me do it because we want to and we give it to you to free because we want you to enjoy it so if we want you to enjoy it and you tell me that something needs to be changed because you tried it out and it didn't work we'll change it you know in a commercial sense changing things means more cost we don't have a deadline and that's the other thing we don't have a deadline it comes out when it comes out and and that's the other thing i mean we've had some feedback that has uh, basically in practical terms mean a lot of work for us, but we did it anyway. Because if you're not willing to to change upon the feedback that you're given, then like I've, I often tell David, we're not making this stuff thing for ourselves anymore. I mean, this has grown beyond that. You have to keep in mind who the people we're making this for, which is, you know, the, the player base and any new people who want to try out Epic for the first time. So that, that that's a different mindset there. So you're not set in, you're set in stone necessarily anything. At the end of the day, price testing is the thing. And if you tell me something's not quite right, you know, we'll, we'll certainly explore it. And that's that's been the case uh, up to this moment. And we're profoundly grateful for everyone who's taken even a minute of their time to give us some feedback because, you know, nobody has to get into a new Epic game. Nobody has to download anything. Nobody has to read it and much less play it. That they have, you know, is 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 not only flattering, you know, it's, it's quite humbling. You have to think about what the rules are in the context of those people who are investing their time in it. Well, it means we did we meant we did something right. Yeah, you know, it's one of those old adages in that epic with the old and that epic crew that I remember kind of poked fun at me when that project started so long ago. I said, "Well, if at least one person downloads it and play it, I'll consider it enough." <laughs> of course, that was a rather low bar, and as it is with with our current projects, appears dominatus. But you know, that's kind of my my thinking behind it. If you downloaded and played it, you know, thanks a bunch. You know, you've made it the endeavor worthwhile. There's another underlying thing here that you didn't mention before, Peter. It's because your experience with NetEpic and your name and your well-known in that game system that had credence to this project too. That that helped immensely. Well, you know, thanks. That's something I won't, I don't ever bring up or say myself, right? You know, because it has a certain ring of arrogance to it and whatnot. But it's true. Fact. You're known to the community. Yes, I, I do recognize that that's a point, and many people may just give it a look over because it was made by, you know, I'm part of the, the process of making it and putting it forth. And, and there's a certain amount of trust there, which I, I always uh, humbly thank the Epic community to have bestowed upon me through the years. And I don't take that lightly either. And, you know, but again, at the end of the day, regardless for the reasons you picked up appears Dominatus and gave it a whirl, you know, I still say the same things I said during the Net Epic project. Thank you very much. And we appreciate your your feedback. And I think the fact that you talked about the ethos of Imperius Dominatus, you're doing it because it's fun, first and foremost, but you're also building fun into the actual mechanics of the game. I think it's a really important point. I mean, it's pretty much how I approach all the stuff I've been doing with my blog and on the channel and so, and so on. I do it for fun. I do it because I enjoy these things and these are things that I love. 
and the fact that the two you love Epic so much that you want to make the ultimate rule set, I suppose. <laughs> Something that can be played by everyone. Yeah, well, I mean, that's the goal of everybody. Everybody wants the ultimate attach, whether it is or not. You know, it's kind of beyond the point. Is the thing, like you said, you do it because you love it and you like people to try out new things. We hope people enjoy the fruits of our labor. Yeah, we wanted to make it lore friendly, fun game to play, dynamic system that was, it's going to be a very, very quick game. You could have large, crazy sized battles compared to other systems and be able to get through it quickly. Yes, the game is scalable as high as you want to play and it will not break down. Things die fast, okay? You can put down 100 stands of troops and things will die fast and the game will be resolved in a day. That's the whole point of this. It's going to be lots of carnage on a tabletop. Like the, the battles are going to be truly epic and nasty and dangerous and think, don't expect your unit to survive to the end of the game. Like things will be destroyed. It'd be very, very fast paced game. Right, I'm sure it'll be great. And I'm sure you're going to get a lot of great feedback back. And hopefully if you haven't already checked out, as I say, the links will be beneath this podcast, wherever you're finding it. No, thanks a lot, Gordon. I appreciate the opportunity that you've given us to, you know, talk a little bit about Imperius Dominatus. And then, you know, for those who don't know, me, me and Gordon go pretty far back. <laughs> <laughs> it's kind of funny that I've heard his voice for the first time during the interview, but, you know, that's the nature sometimes of internet friendships. You know, you've interacted with people for decades and, and perhaps you don't even know the sound of their voice. But at least I'm not, uh, that was the pleasant part of all this, you know, beyond the interview and sharing topics of things we like you know i got i got to hear gordon's voice so that that alone for me was uh worth the trip <laughs> no well likewise it's great to talk to you directly since it's all been through emails or on forums wherever it's been <laughs> across the years yeah it's great to t- speak to you and, and thanks for coming on because it's great to hear you talking about and hear your passion for imperius dominatus and i'm sure many people in the community will equally share that passion and enjoyment they'll get out of the rules so please check it out yeah just we just you just want everyone to give it a try. Yep. Yep. Give it a try and tell us what you think. That's what it's all about. Thank you very much. Thank you, Gordon. Thank you. And that's it. Thanks again to Peter and David for being so entertaining as they explained the process and ethos behind their system. And please follow the links you'll find with this podcast to find out more about ID. And for Epic fans wanting more podcasts, please watch a space as myself and my good friend Craig will be embarking upon a series of podcasts. We will be sharing our favourite armies and units from 2nd edition and setting out some of our strategies for playing them. So until then, keep on living the life or die.